Hi everybody, Alex here. Yes, Alex. I am alive and well, and I'm here in the QI office on Christmas Eve Eve. Dan, James and Andy and Anna have all gone home again. Left me here to sort out this year's Christmas episode. In a second, you're going to get Dan and Anna asking you to subscribe to things and buy all their merch, but they couldn't even take the time to wish their loyal listeners a Merry Christmas because they're all complete f***ing freeloading self-centered old bastards. So yeah, f*** them. It falls to me to gladly wish all of you out there a very Merry Christmas from everyone here at No Such Thing as a Fish. And this means that I finally get to say, on with the podcast, after these messages. Hi everybody, just before we start this show, we have a couple of small favours to ask you. It's that begging time of year when people put their tins out and shake them around, asking for you to do things like, for instance, voting for their favourite podcast in the National Comedy Awards. Uh, That's right, we have been long-listed as one of the best comedy podcasts. We're very excited about that, and we would love it if you could get us to the short list. To do that, you can go to qi.com slash vote. You'll see all the options there. You can also vote for your favourite comedian Comedians, your favourite comedy shows. You'll see Sandy Toxfig up there, host of QI. You'll see QI itself. Why not register a vote for them? And you'll see no such thing as a fish. We would massively appreciate a vote. Do it now. QI.com slash vote. That's right. And there's stiff competition on there. So we really need the fish army to come together and give us these votes because it would mean so much to the podcast to make it to the live National Comedy Awards. Um, outside of that, what we would absolutely love is if you could just very quickly just go to the follow button on wherever you're listening to this podcast, be it Spotify or Apple iTunes, wherever it is, and just press follow. We've discovered that so many people are listening to this show without having pressed that button. And it's extraordinary what a difference it makes in helping us to be higher in the charts to get more exposure to get more attention to allow for the podcast to keep going so simple button press is genuinely going to be a huge deal for us if enough of you do it so please do that's our two big bits of begging (laughs) please vote for us in the national comedy awards please press follow and that will allow us to keep going as a podcast in 2023 otherwise we just have to shut shop that's it if we don't get shortlisted okay. and you don't press follow, we're we're out of here. Okay, we're come being... on, Dan. Enough, enough begging. This is starting to get desperate and sad. Look, do it, yeah, do it if you lame. want to. Don't do it if you don't. Uh, no, what? Okay. no, do it. On with the show. On with the show after you press follow and voted for us. Okay. <laughs> episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast, this week coming to you live from the Bloomsbury Theatre in London! My name is Dan Schreiber, I am sitting here with Anna Tashinsky, Andrew Hunter-Murray and James Harkin, and once again we have gathered round the microphones, but not with our four favourite facts this time, because this is our Christmas special episode, and we have decided to instead use 500 favourite facts from the audience members who are here tonight, who have submitted them to us, and at the end of the show, after reading out some of our favourites, we're going to pick two of the best, we're going to bring the two people who said those facts onto stage, and we're going to have them back in a quiz to the death. So, 
It's a very exciting episode, a special treat. Um, what have we got from our audience here tonight, guys? I just want to say the facts are on my phone. I'm not checking the football scores all the way through. I just want to make that clear <laughs> really early. Uh, so shall I do a fact yeah. that's been sent by yeah, text? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is one just that I just picked up now. Uh, some people can grow hair on their tongues. Oh, wow. Like, at oh. will? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, would that be a useful superpower to have, do you think? Or... A tongue, tongue hair, yeah. Um... Warmth. Sometimes it gets very cold in the mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah. When, um... when you eat ice cream too fast. Oh, yeah, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. So ice cream yeah. headaches. Um, I only say it is because the person who wrote it is a surgeon. Oh. Um, and I wonder if you're in. Are you in the person who... Yep. Yeah. Yeah, OK. And who's that? What's your name? Malcolm, you're a surgeon. Do you op do you operate on hairy tongues? Are you a glorified hairdresser? <laughs> Here's a weird thing that would possibly happen, right? If you had a very hairy tongue and you were, say, making out with someone and you did some French kissing, would it ever be the case that their hairy tongue would wrap around your tongue and then you would get stuck? Does it ever happen that you walk next to someone and your hair wraps around them and you get stuck together? <laughs> no, no, but you know when you, like, put Christmas lights back in the box and then they come out next year and they're all tangled up? Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes... Remember, I had a friend at school who had braces and he kissed someone who had braces. No. And they got stuck in their braces. They're still no, stuck, aren't they? No, it's not a myth. It I, sounds, saw it, I saw it myself. It sounds like right. an urban myth. It does sound like an urban myth. Well, but, I saw but it. Maybe you're the sort. Maybe you're the source I shouldn't of have the... been watching, but I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I popped out from the cupboard and went, "Guys, I can help. I can help." Gosh. Um, wow. Can we? Should we just quickly go back to Malcolm mm, to yes. check whether it's part of your surgery? You actually grow people hairy tongues. <laughs> Reconstruct somebody's tongue after big operation. Yeah, and you said in your message, um, so you can reconstruct people's tongues. But you said in your message. Um, that it might be come from your forearm or your thigh, and so when it comes in, that's where the oh. hair comes from. I see. Oh. Isn't that something like your hair? Even if you take it away, I, I suppose this is, and this will explain why people have hairy tongues. Even if you take it away from a certain bit of your body, it always remembers it was there and grows in accordance with that. So I think there are things where, like, if you get um, some hair planted onto your head, if you yeah. want to sort out your baldness, yeah. for instance, yeah, yeah. Um, then I believe if, like, the hairs... Let's say you get it taken from your pubic region or something, because that seems to be where <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, that's what lots... Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. I think that's the most common that people get, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, if the hairs that were around it start to fall out, then that one will also fall out. So um, your hair has a thing in it that tells you how long it needs to grow, right? Because mm -hmm. your eyebrows are not the same length as your head hair. And your pubic hair is not the same. <laughs> <laughs> what you can't see at home for the podcast is Anna has enormous hairs on her eyebrows. No, and so, um, yeah, it has those. And then when you transplant, say you put eyebrow hair on your head, they would all grow for that amount of time and then stop. Could you transplant all hair? As in, could you transplant uh, eyelash hair onto your head should you want it? Well, we have a surgeon in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask us. <laughs> Malcolm? Um, shall we do some more facts? Yeah, let's yeah, do another right. fact. Sorry, Malcolm. Um, I have a fact that only I, and presumably the person who sent this in, who's called Jamie Drummond, will enjoy. And it's that... Um... <laughs> Why are you reading it? Stop with the, <laughs> Stop with the hard sell, Anna, please. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to have a private bonding moment in these mass experiences. Cool. In Gladiator, uh, released in 2000, Russell Crowe had a dog, quite a ferocious dog. Oh, yeah. Played by a dog called Kite, who was a Belgian shepherd. Apparently a turvurine Belgian shepherd. Anyway... She went on to be Wellard in EastEnders. No way. 
<laughs> and of course, so that's the name of the dog, Wellard. Yeah, Wellard in awesome. EastEnders, yeah. Named by Gus, I think, um, who was a funny guy, which is why he named him Wellard. Wow. Great fact. That is a really that's good a fact. Great fact. <laughs> Eddie Omar? Eddie Omar? This is a cool one. This is from Polly, or at saying nice stuff. My husband Frank says the electrical cable in this theatre would stretch from here to Grimsby if placed end to end. Yeah. Why haven't we done that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean all the different cables? Because presumably if it's a cable, it is end to end already. It's just a cable, right? It's not a cable, is it all the cables? It says right. um, yeah. the electrical cable. <laughs> There's one cable yeah. <laughs> in this place. Wow. But I think, okay. I, th I feel like cable can be a, a plural kind of uh, collective noun, right? All the cable in a place. You mm. could say that, right? Yeah, I say yeah, that. We yeah, say yeah. that all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, another one on places. Yeah. Um, I've got one which someone sent in saying, in Switzerland, it's illegal to flush the toilet after 10 p.m. What? Illegal? Illegal, according to this person <laughs> who apparently lives in Switzerland, <gasps> as so they claim. I remember there was a woman who wanted to get a passport in um, Switzerland, didn't she? Do you remember? And in order to get a passport, she needed to get the permission of all the yeah. other people in her village. That's right. And they all hated her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they all wrote to the government saying, no, we don't want her in our country. And she didn't... I think eventually she got it. Did she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they were like, she's so annoying. We just don't want her. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. Thank God we don't have that system here. I'd be homeless. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is quite a cool fact. I think Danny might like this one. It's yeah. kind of spooky coincidence. Oh, cool. Nice. Uh, so this was sent in by email from Nick Speechley. And it's that in one of his recent rants, uh, Kanye West, I know not a promising opening. Uh, we, don't, <laughs> we don't love a lot of his work. Um, claimed that Hitler, I, also not promising. I'll give you that. There better be a, there better be a huge U-turn yeah. coming on this fact. <laughs> claimed that Hitler invented the microphone. Weird. Um, in actual fact, the technology that 90% of microphones use today was invented by an African-American man who was called West. Ooh, that's good. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> is Kanye trying to plant that in our heads somehow? What is he trying to do? Well, you think he's going to then say, well, it's my relative, so I'm going to take all the money? Uh, oh, maybe, yeah. 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 Are you saying he's a gold digger is what I'm asking? <gasps> oh, that's one of his songs. Is that a reference yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, is it true uh, with... Yeah, with yeah, sorry to uh, move into Hitler, but oh, is it... No. I read years ago, years and years ago, that there was a story that um, whenever Hitler was going to do a speech, the sound system, so this is to do with the microphones as well, the sound system would pay, play a sort of note, a slightly annoying note while everyone was waiting. So it was just a oh, sort yeah. of... One of those notes that, you know, that, that sends... Not the one that makes everyone poo. No, not the poo no. note, but like... A, like a, like the, you, you know, certain ages, you can hear certain ones, and it's just a little uh, like, like a mosquito tone. Yeah, mosquito tone. And the idea, again, don't know if this is true. The idea was that <laughs> when he came on stage, they would turn it off, and the sense of relief that you would get when he came on stage played into the sense of ah, oh, someone who's going to help us is here. Mm. It was just a little psychological mm. thing. Has anyone okay. heard that? I have heard that. Yeah, but from, we don't know from you. <laughs> and, I, mean, <laughs> I bring it up every episode. Why is it not made it in? <laughs> But that's actually what we were doing at the start of this show when, and for listeners at home, there were a series of maybe two or three dozen technical glitches, but it was just to create that sense of relief mm. when we come on. Yeah. I've got a fact for you. Yeah. This is from uh, Steve Early, and it's this. I'm just going to read it verbatim. It is possible to make a tuba out of material other than brass 
and somebody once made one from cheese. <laughs> and it sounded okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, well, I um, remember reading once that I, I think this is tubers. I might be I might be going completely wrong, but I think it's tubers. Basically, in America, this is all the high schools have all got bands and they all have tuba players. Mm. But then, when you go to like top level bands, you only need one tuba player in a band, right? And so there's a massive, massive like competition oh. for tuba players in America oh. because there's loads of really good ones. Like there might be loads of really good violinists. But you can have 10 different violinists in an orchestra, right? Yeah. But there's not much use for a tuba. I would have thought it was always proportional. You know, in the schools, you've got, let's say, you, you've got lots of violinists in every school. Yeah. So only a certain percentage of them are going to get through to the... But they can also play in, you know, um, string quartets. I see. Can, yeah. You don't get very many tuba quartets. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, can I just ask what kind of cheese it was? <laughs> I'm guessing it was a fairly hard one. Oh, it's got to be oh, a hard God, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a fact about cheese, actually. This is um, Swedish cheese called Vasta Bottensost. Uh, and apparently when you make it, you requires a bit of... You need to stir it and then leave it and then stir it and then leave it. And apparently it was invented in 1872 by a dairy maid called Ulrika Lindström. And she kept being distracted by her work to go and have sex with a local boy. <laughs> And she would go away, have sex, and then come back and stir it, and then go away, have sex, come back and then stir it. And then oh. when the cheese was made, she was like, this is delicious. Yeah, but she must have been starving after that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything would taste good. <laughs> um, just quickly, I'm just thinking, if it was Edam, you could presumably get one of the holes to go all the way through, <laughs> and then you'd have, a, like, a, a cheese tuber. You think of Leodama? No, I'm thinking of Edam. And a tuba... It definitely has the holes, right? Edam's got holes in it, right? No. Oh, dear. No. <laughs> Doesn't. Oh, wow. Emmen Emmental, I'm getting. Emmental. Yeah. <laughs> Leodama does as well, for sure. Oh, and Leodama, yeah. yeah. That's probably yeah. why no one liked that joke. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make a good drum, an Edam, wouldn't it? I don't know what an Edam is, as, <laughs> we, as we now well know. <laughs> I'm slightly struggling to remember what a tuba looks like. <laughs> What does it look like? Well, imagine a, a big tube. Yeah. Surround it with brass. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> do you, in fact, do you know what you should imagine? Because I've, yeah. I've always really loved this. Um, you know fallopian tubes, if you can picture fallopian tubes? Of course. <laughs> a common everyday household item for yeah. Dan. <laughs> From diagrams. You can see the shape of them and they get wider at the bottom. Yes. Uh, so they were named after the tuba. Oh, really? Not tubes. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I would say was... more like a paperclip, but it's a big musical instrument, right? It's got those bending bits and it's got... Yeah. yeah. I'm yep. just trying to think of something that Dan might have seen more from the fallopian tube. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of fallopian tubes, James. <laughs> Here's a fun Christmas fact that I got sent. Uh, I got sent this this morning, nothing to do with the show, so at Steve Down Under is not going to realise that he's made it onto our show, but... Um, He's, uh, he's written in from New Zealand. He DM'd me on Twitter, and he said, Kia ora, Dan. Uh, quick fact for you, might, you might like to use for fish. Jesus had a disciple named Thomas the Testicle. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Happy to elaborate <laughs> if you're interested. <laughs> uh, now, I don't want to be a doubting Thomas, but I don't <laughs> think that's true. <laughs> Why would he say that? What's he saying there? Thomas the Testicle? Yes. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> 
does anyone in the audience have any idea if he might be making some kind of weird reference to an actual fact? No. Oh, is he hitting on me? <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you believe that's what it is, I suppose. <laughs> we did actually put a call out for some Christmas facts uh, yeah. on um, Twitter, and we got some great ones in. So this is not from people in the audience here, but I did particularly like that... So I like this because I have friends who live in the Netherlands and I refuse to believe they're this deranged. But in 2006, people in the Netherlands were banned from adopting rabbits over Christmas because there's a popular festive song about a family cooking their pet and it was believed that all Dutch people who adopted rabbits would just be trying to replicate that song. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? And yeah. I think around the same time, the, um, like the Dutch version of the RSPCA said that everyone who had a rabbit should keep it indoors so that no one would kind of pick it up and try and copy this song. It's, how often do you sing a song and then sort of enact the lyrics as you do it? <laughs> yeah, I'm always going around bullying reindeers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, apparently this is a thing. And it's, the so it's really, really popular. And if you go to the Netherlands and they play like the top you know, 20 Christmas songs of the year, they always play this one. Wow. Yeah. Oh, we also had another um, Christmas um, animal slaughter-related fact. <laughs> I've got a hit. It's from uh, Holly T. I think you're in. Hi. Hi. Um, this is great. I really like this. This is a historical fact. It's that in 1797, Tom the Goose was brought with thousands of other geese to Leadenhall Market in London to be slaughtered. But Tom escaped, perusing the market and evading capture for days on end. His life was eventually spared, and he was adopted as the market's mascot, and he had a bar named after him, which is called Old Tom's Bar. The Goose. Oh. <laughs> the Goose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we buy that? Oh. I buy it. Yeah, I think so. And definitely we know that the geese were taken to town and they were walked all the way to town right. from yeah. Norfolk and stuff like that. Yeah. They put little boots on them, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they say. They always say, oh, they put little boots on the geese, but actually I think what they happened was they would dip the feet in, like, in tar. tar. Oh, they I think they'd walk them through a big tar dip, Yeah, yeah, they? yeah. It's not out. quite as nice. But that definitely did happen. That did happen. And they did used to always go rampaging the animals in around Smithfield and stuff. So, yeah. Okay, so yes, yes more to... more plausible than Thomas the Testicle, if mm. that's the... Yeah, that's true, yeah. Hierarchy. Of the Toms, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cool one. We got sent by At Flame Eyes. Uh, who I think is in here tonight. Diego, are you in here tonight? Diego's here. Um, Google engineers in California had no clue about the Football World Cup and were alerted to it when traffic dropped suddenly for more than half an hour, then suddenly spiked and went back down again. Nowadays, most tech companies have a dedicated sports event calendar as a result. It's just pretty cool how much yeah. it sort wow. of influences the world. Yeah, except no one in this room who have continued with your ordinary <laughs> lives despite the football match being on. And we respect you for it. Yeah. Um, uh, here's one. Uh, in 1834, we also had three prime ministers in a year. Um, so we did this year. Uh, Lord Melbourne was a prime minister. He was sacked by the king. And Sir Robert Peel was chosen. But Sir Robert Peel was on holiday in Italy at the time. So they sent someone out to find him. And while they were trying to find him, the Duke of Wellington was an interim PM. Uh, That's still fact, isn't it? I love the idea of how to just find the PM. That's a really <laughs> well, they just struggled with Boris, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Check the fridge. <laughs> there was another fact about, oh, I think it was Lord Liverpool, who was the fifth Tory prime minister in a row and was at the kind of late end of a, a, you know, an administration and, and wasn't seen as being very good at the job, was really young as well, was in his early 40s when he got the job, mm -hmm. uh, and he was in charge for 25 years. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Are we sure there wasn't a Thomas the Testicle? Because I feel yeah. like... That would be 
of all the disciples, the one you'd want at the Last Supper, right? Like he's what? he's, he's a party disciple. <laughs> Bring the party you, disciple, I, Thomas the Tassel. I thought you meant as a kind of dim sum option. <laughs> <laughs> I've got another fact on balls. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, someone sent this in. My interesting fact is that frozen meatballs that go in pasta ready meals set off metal detectors. Ooh. Now, can you guess? Let's see if you can guess why that might happen. Frozen meatballs set off metal. Frozen meatballs. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, they got metal in them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a reasonable thought, <laughs> yeah. but no. Because you wrap them in aluminium. No, no, no. <laughs> More surprising good. than that. More surprising. Um, is it to do with them being frozen? The freezing process. Why close? Who's whose facts is it? Jack. Jack, can you explain why? I didn't know that. So metal detectors don't detect metal specifically. They detect the density of the object. Yeah, basically. and the meatballs really are cool. really dense. That's the idea why Dan is... sets it off whenever he goes through. <laughs> <laughs> when I go home and my wife says, how's the gig? <laughs> it's great. They, the room clapped for me at one point. <laughs> Felt great. Here's one. This is from, I think, I think you're in the room, Samuel Wilkinson. Hello. Uh, so uh, Sam Wilkinson says... Only five people on the planet know the formula for Angostura bitters, and they have made a pact to never fly on a plane together or even to eat in the same restaurant. Wow. That's a really good excuse if you've got people who you don't like, isn't it? Yeah. Just give them something, then you're like, oh, we can't go for dinner together, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was always told when I was a barman, I don't know if this is true because I never looked it up, that Angostura bitters is technically poisonous, it's a poison. And that's why they always said you're only allowed to use a tiny little bit. Uh, I don't know Maybe. if that's true. I mean, right. everything's poisonous in large enough quantities, isn't it? Yeah. But... Such a clever dick thing to say. <laughs> well, I got really worried recently because my husband made a meal for me and it tasted quite strongly of a specific spice. I was like, God, what is that? You put lots of it in. He said, oh, I just put loads of nutmeg in it. And I, I know. And I got suddenly quite nervous because you know nutmeg is actually banned in a couple of countries because it is in certain quantities poisonous and surprisingly small quantities like if you had two tablespoons of nutmeg i think you'd be in trouble really yeah um and then i actually don't think i've admitted this to him so maybe don't tell him but i wanted him to feel okay so i said no i'm sure it's fine how much did you put in and he showed me and then i actually threw up because uh, I thought, I'm not fucking dying. If this guy wants to die, if not make poisoning, he's gonna, he can go, but <laughs> I've got a long life to live. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... But you thought it was worth saving yourself. And... <laughs> well, I didn't want him to think I was paranoid. Yeah, you certainly haven't come across as paranoid in this <laughs> story. <laughs> and then did you just watch him and see if, see if he died? I watched, I watched him like an absolute hawk, yeah. <laughs> And he passed on that. Yeah. <laughs> Is it legal these days to have a massive company and have all the ingredients on the back, but then go, but there's a secret something we're not telling you? I don't, I don't like, know. Can you legally do that these it's days? Sad, isn't it? But they all do, don't they? Yeah. Like KFC and Coca-Cola. We've and got stuff. allergies. We have, like, people have things. I think if yeah. you had peanuts in there, they'd make you put that on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I don't get why they're, is it, they're not allowed to go to the same restaurant because in case it's uh, po poisoned. Well, if all five of them die yeah. in the restaurant, 
I see, yeah. But in case the f- there's a poisoner chef in the yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Anna's yeah. husband working. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nutmeg Nicks. <laughs> there's a few things of those, right, where people aren't allowed to travel in the same plane or whatever. I can only think of the Wright brothers, because yeah, they, weren't, they weren't allowed to fly in the same plane th- for the years, years, years and years and years. The royal family as well. There were certain things about that's been said. Um, I read, and again, don't know, because we're just flying off with yeah, yeah. retained facts. Uh, it's possible this is true, that people who made the parachutes for NASA for the for the rockets that come back in, so Apollo 13, when the parachutes came out, the people who know how to make the parachutes, there's only like three people who know how to make that. Can't be right. <laughs> it doesn't three people that. who know how to make their parachutes. Um, yeah, no. there's a secret ingredient. To the, <laughs> to it's the, the ropes. <laughs> um, um, just on the royal family, yeah. by the way, because yeah. we just quickly mentioned them. Um, when he was child, and um, the nanny told him to do something that he didn't want to do. Apparently, Prince William used to say, when I'm king, I will have you punished. (laughs) This is a cool one from Charlie Brooke. In the 1960s, a British scientist began an investigation into whether there were people who could see the future. The project ended in 1968 when two of his subjects accurately predicted his death. And this, Ooh, and this really, uh, this really happened. And this is, uh, so as Charlie Brooks says, this is from a book called The Premonitions Bureau, which is a new book that came out this year by Sam Knight. And it was about a guy in London who, following a very tragic accident where a school was taken out by a landslide and there was a lot of deaths, a few people said that they had accurately predicted that this would happen. There was even a few school children from the school that had drawn these quite ominous drawings ahead of it. And so he thought, what if this is the case, that premonition was a real thing? What if we had a bureau in London that was able to accurately gather together all these predictions so that we could see if there was going to be a big train crash in the future or, or, or a fire somewhere? We would be able to stop it before it happened. And they predicted his death? They both independently said... Did, yeah, but did, they, did they kill him? <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't got to the end of the book. But okay. it's, um, I went to Nostradamus' house this year. Yeah. I knew you were going to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah? What, what was your favourite thing? Oh, well, it was a plaque. That's it. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, yeah. What was the plaque? His plaque said that he'd lived there, or was it, like, in code, or...? It, it said he lived there, and uh, it talked a bit about the stuff he predicted, which I cool. don't think is... Oh, okay. Through, and, they uh... hired you to work for their tourism <laughs> <laughs> outreach programme, didn't they? Can I quickly say my favourite Nostradamus fact? <laughs> oh, gosh. And it's not a fact, obviously, but... Um, <laughs> When, so when he died, he was um, buried, and there was all these rumours swirling around that if you wanted to inherit the, the powers of Nostradamus, you had to get his skull and you had to drink through his skull. And so, in, so he died, and then in 1791, which is, uh, I think, maybe even 100 years after he yeah. died, um, May of 1791, these grave diggers locate his grave, and they dig him up, and they open it, and there, laying in the grave, is Nostradamus, but around his neck and on his chest is a little board on which it's written May 1791, <laughs> as if he, he went, I knew you'd be here. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's I, good pranking. Yeah. yeah. And is that true. true? Oh, it's not true. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think this is really interesting. I can't believe I didn't know it, if it's true. This was sent in by Willaray Culpepper. So in Pennsylvania, there's, you've got the Amish community, you know, they get called Pennsylvanian Dutch. Did you guys know why they're called Pennsylvanian Dutch? I thought they originated in the Netherlands. Apparently, they were German settlers, but they introduced themselves to the English, and what did they introduce themselves as? Deutsch. 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 
And the English no. one, yeah, sounds like you're probably Dutch. Um, <laughs> and that's stuck ever since. That's great. Okay, well, look, I think we've got our, we've got a good pool of facts to pick from here for going into our fact off for the nerdiest person in the room. Um, so James and I are going to be deciding who are the two finalists and whoever we pick is going to be on our team. So we're going to ask you to come up on stage and sit next to each of us uh, and we'll do this quiz along next to you. And uh, so James, do you want to pick first who... Yeah, I'm thinking that maybe to psych you out, we should go for the meatballs guy. Because mm. <laughs> it felt pick. like you really lost it around that time. <laughs> yeah. And I think by bringing him up on this side of the stage, that's going to really... Okay, all right, us. meatballs guy. And I will go for the lady who hasn't flushed her toilet since 10pm to 6am in the mornings every single night. Um, so, while you're uh, making your way down and uh, making your way to the front of the stage, we are going to find out the rules of the quiz, how it's going to be played, how we're going to determine the winner. So here to introduce it all is our quiz master herself, Anna Tushinsky, everybody. Ooh. Yes. Yes, so the way this is going to work, as we alluded to earlier, is we will be quizzing our two contenders, Jack and Gaia, and we're going to be quizzing them on how well they know the No Such Thing as a Fish crew. So come on to stage, Jack. You're on James's team. I'm sorry about that. But if you take a seat uh, there... It's the winning team, Jack. Don't worry. Um, and I just want to introduce you also to my little scoring boy over here on the left, Andrew the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hi, Gaia. You're on Dan's team. So, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to read out some questions, and you're going to have to tell me which member of No Such Thing as a Fish is the answer to those questions. Can you stop distracting your contestant, please? <laughs> um, okay, without further ado, no. let's start the quiz. So, question number one. Who once lost a quiz by saying one of the seven dwarves was called Bernard? Please choose quite speedily. Guy, you've gone for Andy. Jack, you've gone for Dan. The correct answer is Dan Schreiber. Get in there. Come on. Of course it was me. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm an idiot. She you thinks said... too much of you. <laughs> oh, actually, that's very, that's very kind of you. Oh, thank you. Oh, OK. OK, question number two. So, sorry, scoring boy, uh, oh. what is the score? One nil. Thank you for your invaluable contribution to the game. Question number two. Who was given birth to in front of live observing students? And you guys have gone for James. You, Jack, have gone for me. Anna, the correct answer is me. Brilliant, Jack. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Very you knew strong it. work. You just knew it. Scoring boy, what have we got? Two nil. <laughs> Wait, sorry, why were people watching you when you were born? Uh, they asked my mum halfway through labour if she minded uh, if Excuse a bunch me, um, of... is that Anna Tashinsky? <laughs> <laughs> it's about to be. <laughs> uh, no, they said, do you mind as an educational m process if people can watch your child being born? And she said, go for your life. And so they ushered about 20 people into the room. Gosh, wow. <laughs> and... Are they still in contact with the others? <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, she has them round every time, every, every Saturday. Every time you come back home. Time, yeah. <laughs> I squeeze myself through a very small window. The cat flap. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so question number three, and Jack, if you get this right and you get this wrong, on, Jack. then Jack's taken it. Who owns a light-up ear spoon? Who owns a light-up ear spoon? You've both gone for James Harkin... 
And the answer is James Harkin. Yes! Yes, yes Gaia! <laughs> What's our score then? Woo! Three, one! Three, one. And well done. You could claw now. it back now. Yeah. Um, but not if Jack gets this one Come right. On, so, <laughs> who played Joseph in their nativity play alongside their brother who played a blade of grass? <laughs> You've both gone with Andy, and I'm afraid that's not right. No. It I'm is, afraid it was me. It's not me. This guy, James. Yeah. I'm, and he will be absolutely delighted we're bringing it up for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no so... No change. No change. There we go. Still on 3-1. And so, final... Oh, hang on. Let's do the well, final question a, anyway. We'll do the final... I'm sorry, that was a bit of an underwhelming announcement <laughs> to say that Jack's won this. Um, but... Very, very hard to come back from at this Look. point. But it's possible. It's possible. We can do this. We can do this. Gaia, according to Dan's brain, you can do this, and I believe in you, so... Double points. Who once had, who once had a brilliant, self-described, idea for a cheese chessboard? Uh, you've gone for Dan, you've gone for James... So just to say, this is double points, right? Oh, we're actually giving Gaia I think a chance. We should, yeah, yeah, double wow. points. Wow. Well, just you're because both I wrong. know the answer, yeah? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm afraid it was Andrew Hunter-Murray. Because it's obviously my idea. Come on. <laughs> the cheese board. But cheese board is already a thing. <laughs> yeah, but, but every piece is a different cheese. As we've learned, you know so much about cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well... I, I had an idea for a T-shirt where you have a chess board on the front, right? And it's called Chest. Right, so you have little Velcro bits, right? And then, check this out, check this out. On the back, what have you got? Backgammon. backgammon. Monop oh, backgammon, way better. <laughs> way better, that's why that didn't work. Monopoly's too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Guy, I'm so sorry, you're the second nerdiest person in the room, but I'm gonna have to usher you off stage now. Uh, but Jack, if you wanna take center stage here, yes. and I'm gonna hand you over to Andrew Hunter-Murray. Jack, well, you have done it. You did it with your facts. Get ready to take your prize, Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jack, the nerdiest person in the room. Okay, that's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said on this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter account. I'm on at Schreiberland. Gaia? Uh, hey, it's Gaia. <laughs> Jack? Uh, at Monkey2738. Are you a bot, Jack? <laughs> You're the nicest bot I've ever met. <laughs> Andy. Uh, at Andrew Hunter M. And James. At James Harkin. Uh, Anna. You can email podcast.qi.com. Yeah, or you can go to our group account, which is at no such thing, or our website, no such thing as a fish.com. All of our previous episodes are there. Thank you for tuning in to our Christmas episode. We'll see you again. Goodbye. <laughs>